anything good in my life today is because I went through that moment of rejection. Grief is a big part of it. It's maybe never ending. Um, So yeah, I'm not completely removed from it. It still creeps up and I still have to deal with it. But I know if I could deal with it the first year and the second year and the third year, I'm definitely going to get through it this year and next year and any time it decides to come back after that. Hey there, you're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over, either through their own missteps or through no fault of their own. All walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down, stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Now, here's your host, Tracy Winchell. Episode R012 is a story about rejection, grace, and redemption. My friend Jordan Cross readily acknowledged that though rejection brought about a better life for her and her young son, the pain sometimes still can be tough to manage. (laughs) It's one thing to say that we should show ourselves grace— It's entirely another to fulfill that objective sometimes, right? Well, Jordan is a good one to help us get started or moving in the right direction in that regard. We're going to talk to Jordan about how she navigates grief, guilt, and anger when it creeps in, advice and encouragement for young women looking for love and acceptance, and some ideas for parents seeking to enact and teach boundaries in their own lives and that of their children. Hey, Jordan. Hey, Tracy. Thanks for sharing part of your life with us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about you and your life right now. What's it like? Right now is craziness. I am a single mom, uh, but not for much longer. I am engaged to be married this December. And so in addition to mom and Now I am also wedding planning, and work keeps me pretty busy in there, too. So you're like a professional single mom. I'm not sure I qualify for professional. You've got a whole career and everything. Well, yeah, something like that. So you're doing the job hustle, the fiancé hustle, and the mom hustle. All the hustles. Yeah. You have told your story before. Yes. Why do you do that? My main goal is to say something that might help even just one other person. If my story and the lessons that I've learned can help somebody else, I'll share it as many times as I need to. So does it help you when you tell your story? Yeah, I think it helps me. um, For one, it gives me perspective to just as a refresher of seeing where I've come from and where I am now, um, it's always good to remember because the farther out you get from the things that have happened in the past, um, you can just be trucking along and kind of go back into some of the things that you've done before. And so it's always good to have that um, reminder of why you stopped those things in the first place. <laughs> and you're generally talking about attitudes and attitudes, thought processes. Yeah, and, behaviors, um, 
Yeah. On what occasions do you tell your story? Um, I've, I've told my story not in a formal manner too many times. I shared my story at Celebrate Recovery, um, which we can talk about a little bit more later. Um, and then informally, just as it comes up, when I feel like there's an opportunity um, or an open door there, I've shared it with some younger girls in the past. Because I feel like when I was a teenager is when um, a lot of those patterns started developing in me. And I would love to help girls who are in that stage now avoid some of the mistakes that I made. So let's just dive right into that phase, kind of the childhood, teenage years where all of this stuff kind of started to manifest itself. Oh, the manifestation. Um, Yeah, I think my patterns started developing early on. I grew up being raised by a single mom. Um, I never met my dad. And I think that I was always just kind of searching for that male affection that a little girl needs. And so into my teenage years, I searched for that in relationships with boys and didn't carefully choose who I would allow into my life, um, basically anyone that would pay me attention, and sacrificed a lot of my own boundaries in order to get attention. And that followed me into college and even out of college into um, an adult relationship that ended up being very unhealthy because I had found someone who chose me even if not for the right reasons. Um, So I ended up in a relationship with an alcoholic and I feel like his addiction caused him to need me more, which just was right up my alley, feeling needed. And um, that's where things really got... um, unhealthy, I guess is a good word for it in my life. Um, I was in my early 20s and should have been enjoying young adulthood. And instead, I was taking on a lot of responsibility that I shouldn't have been. Like what? Like caring for another person, another adult who was capable of and should have been capable of caring for himself. I I took all of that responsibility on myself um, instead of having healthy boundaries. You're in a relationship that you're carrying a big part of the load for reasons of, of addiction. Yeah, and I don't, um, I definitely, looking back, I take on the responsibility of my part in that, which was to choose to stay in that relationship. And I completely lost my identity as an individual. I lost my identity as a daughter of the king to I was only who I was in that relationship. I only existed in order to care for him instead of what God put me here for. And so those boundaries... They started disappearing a long time before that. 
Yeah. I don't know that they ever truly existed. I don't know at the age where those boundaries maybe should have been built. I don't think I had that in me at the time. When did you figure out, oh my goodness, I need to set some boundaries or I have totally lost my way? When did you figure out, I don't know who I am? I didn't figure that out until the relationship ended by his choice, not mine. Um, I don't think I ever would have ended that relationship, honestly. I was very lost in it. Um, So he chose to end the relationship, and the circumstances at the time were that I was pregnant with his child, and so that did not help the separation of identity at all. Um, But I didn't have a choice anymore. I, The identity of me being in that relationship with him was gone. And I had to make a decision how to move forward. So your crisis was rejection in a very vulnerable moment and situation in your life. Yeah. I can't imagine being more vulnerable than I was at that time. So what'd you do? There was something in me, and maybe it was just God's protection, but um, I go to Community Bible Church in Fort Smith, and for a few years up to that point, they'd been talking about a program for people who struggle with hurts, habits, and hangups, and I'd, I'd gone a few times because of his hangup, and I was being the supportive girlfriend. Um, but you know, I didn't have any of that, any of that stuff going on. So I didn't need it for myself, but something happened in that moment that my eyes were finally opened and it was my rock bottom and I knew I didn't have anything else. I was finally desperate enough to give it a try for myself. So I started going to celebrate recovery for me this time. So what'd you learn? I learned a lot. I learned that I definitely did have my own hurts, habits, and hangups that needed a lot of attention. I learned that I can't control what people do to me, but I can control how I respond to that, which was tough in that moment. Um, There were a lot of emotions that were begging me to respond one way, but I was very thankful for the tools I was learning in Celebrate Recovery and the people I was meeting in Celebrate Recovery who encouraged me to stay in control of my reactions and not do something I would regret later. Wow. There's a whole lot to unpack in that sentence. You talk about the tools to start figuring things out and untangling your past and your life. Mm -hmm. You talk about relationships with people who encourage you and accept you as you are. And then you talk about how they encourage you to not react to situations. Yeah. 
start at one of those places. So why don't we just start at the beginning with the tools? Um, first, I had to realize that even though a lot of my situation was something I had no control over whatsoever, I was still responsible for certain aspects of it. And I had to own up to that and decide how to move forward in a more positive way. So making changes in my own life, um, which started with changing my attitude. Number one, I had to realize that I did have my own identity and it, it has nothing to do with who I'm in relationship with or what I do for a living or even how many friends I have. At the time, it was none. Um, but I, my identity is in Christ and in his love for me. And that was like a catalyst for me to move forward in spite of everything that had happened because I really could have just crumbled and just laid down and I'm not sure what I would have done. I was thankful at the time to be pregnant. It gave me a reason to try and stay healthy, try and make good decisions and try to keep going. It wasn't just about me anymore. It was about that little baby. Um, so then the people in my life, um, each week I met more people who were struggling with their own issues, um, but had chosen or were choosing to move forward in the same positive direction I was wanting to go. And through all of their past experiences that they were willing to share at the time, I was able to see it's definitely possible. Some things that had happened to this group of people were as bad, if not worse than what was happening to me. And if they could do it, I knew I could too. And um, I think a common theme in this group of people at Celebrate Recovery is just a love for the Lord and out of that, a love for people and wanting to help people and wanting to see people have victory. The third thing on that little trifecta is how you respond to things outside of your emotion. How does that work? Sometimes it doesn't work, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Um, for me, what I found that worked was having at least one person in Celebrate Recovery, we call that person a sponsor, who in that moment of maybe feeling weak and feeling like I want to react, um, that is a safe person for me to go to and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling and this is how I want to respond. I'm pretty sure that's not a healthy thing right now. And that person can be a sounding board. That person can be a place to vent. If if it's just the emotion needing to come out, then that's accomplished by getting it out with that person. And then I was able to regroup, get some good advice, and respond or react to the person who was causing the pain in a more positive way, a way that was going to move us forward rather than hold us back. So you had a few steps in between someone triggering anger and you responding. Yeah, luckily, I wasn't in a lot of face-to-face -face needing immediate response type of situations with that person at that time. Um, so in a text message or even in a phone call, you know, you can choose to put that call off until later. So 
I was thankful to have those buffer moments of an opportunity to go to someone else and get some advice on how to do this the the right way. In that light, one of the questions I really like to ask my guests is, for you, is your reboot a moment or a choice or maybe a series of choices? I think it still has to be all of the above. It started with a moment. It started with a moment that wasn't my choice at all, but someone else made a choice and there was nothing I could do about it. So there's the moment. And then I had the opportunity to then make a choice. Do I want to go forward, backward, or stay right here? And like I said before, um, being pregnant helped me make the choice to move forward for me and for my child. Um, and But since then, it's been a series of choices. I have to wake up every day and make that same choice because this is something that happened four years ago. And there are mo- moments when I'm still tempted to go right back into that pity party of what happened and how hard it was and how sad it was and couldn't there have just been another way around it and I have to again make the choice of this is how I'm going to move forward in spite of that and you know that's a sick thought because one of the questions that I always like to ask is what blessings do you have in your life today that wouldn't exist but for that moment a rejection. All of them. Anything good in my life today is because I went through that moment of rejection. In that moment, and and for a few years leading up to that moment, it had been such an unhealthy relationship that my friends and family couldn't stand to see me allow it to go on. And so I had forsaken every relationship I had before him for him. And so in that moment, I lost everything and had no one. So since then, I have more friends and of a higher quality than I could have ever imagined possible. And that is largely due to CR. Um, I have a, an amazing, healthy baby um, who I'm... I've learned how to be a better mom than I ever could have been before starting Celebrate Recovery. Um, The boundaries that I didn't learn growing up, I'm able to start teaching him, and I have been since day one. And then even the relationship I'm in now with my fiance, um, I met him at Celebrate Recovery, and it's not a dating service, and we weren't there for that reason, but it happened. And I can't imagine being with someone who wasn't practicing the same things that we practice because of Celebrate Recovery. It has helped us have healthy boundaries and learn to say I'm sorry or I'm wrong, things I couldn't do before. Um, Owning my part has been one of my bigger victories through Celebrate Recovery. So yeah, my relationships with my my family has been restored. Things at work are good. I just, it's not 
I'm not trying to preach a health and wealth gospel at all. There's still a lot of struggles in life, but looking back, I can't imagine having the blessings I have today if it weren't for that moment. And we'll circle back to one of our struggles as fallen human beings is that when we live those blessings every single day, we still have that regret and that regret that grief for what's lost. Yeah. Um, Grief is a big part of it. It's maybe never ending. Um, I mentioned earlier that it's been four years and the timing of this interview is pretty dead on. It's been right at four years. And so during this time, the end of July, beginning of August every year is kind of a reliving it time for me, Um, especially when the weather changes. It's some weird deja vu kind of stuff. Um, So yeah, I'm not completely removed from it. It still creeps up and I still have to deal with it. But I know if I could deal with it the first year and the second year and the third year, I'm definitely going to get through it this year and next year and any time it decides to come back after that. How do you deal with it? Because we all fight that, you know, what we would call it in high school or junior high, stinking thinking. Stinkin how, do you, thinking. how do you do that? Turning my thinking around. Um, so one day earlier this week was a particularly hard day for me. And I just immediately went into what we just talked about with focusing on the blessings that came out of it. And I was just overwhelmed with thanksgiving to God for allowing those blessings Um, and just acknowledging that they would not have happened if I hadn't gone through what I did. I don't hear anything in there about you beating yourself up for feeling the way you feel, even though it's kind of, you know, that, that how you're thinking is not the truth. And you're not beating yourself up over it for these feelings. No, because I understand. I'm not going to say I understand the nature of grief. I think grief surprises us still, but I do understand that I'm human and I am susceptible to that. And so I'm going to give myself a little bit of grace. A little bit. Or a lot. Let's walk back just a little bit farther. We've, we've kind of stretched out and not done this in a, in a linear fashion. As a single mom, you say that you enjoy talking to to young girls, young women. What advice or encouragement do you have for young women or girls who have no clue what a boundary is or how to set it and why they need it? The first thing is to realize your value as a child of God, as a a girl. um, You are so valuable and you are so loved by your family, by your friends, and of course by the Lord. Um, And he, out of that love for us, he gave us healthy boundaries. And those are to protect us, not to keep us from having fun as much as it may feel like it in the moment. Um, And that it is going to be hard to stick to those boundaries, but it is totally worth it. Um, My biggest moments of feeling regret 
even though I choose not to beat myself up about it, are the times in my life when I didn't stick to my guns on those boundaries. Um, I see the hurt and the pain that those caused, and I would love to be a part of helping a young woman skip that part. You talk about a a young woman who needs to set those boundaries because God loves them. Did you know at that age that God loved you? I knew he did. I was raised in church um, and, and stuck with it, even though I wasn't making good decisions. I was always involved in the church, but I never understood how God's love really worked. I didn't I thought it was more of like, if I complete this checklist, then he'll love me and he'll bless me because I was a good girl. Instead, I had it all backwards and he loves me in spite of knowing all of the things I was going to do. He loved me enough to make the ultimate sacrifice and his grace is sufficient Every time I do make one of those mistakes, his grace is already there and he's not ashamed. He's not mad. He just wants me to come back. So those days when you fail to set boundaries, there's still regret, but there's no guilt anymore? I can't say there's no guilt. There is guilt. I just have to let his grace be bigger. Because God is going to accept us anyway, because every one of us is flawed. Yeah, we're all flawed. And he already accepted us. I think that's the mindset that I was missing growing up, is that it's not, if I do all of these things, he will accept me. He has already accepted me. How on earth do you explain that to a teen who is you at their age? craving the love of a father? I don't have the answer for that. I would hope that, and this is what I pray for Graham even. He's only three now, but he'll be a teenager one day. My goal in parenting is to have a relationship with him built on trust so that when he's older and he's in those moments of feeling one way and I'm telling him something that seems completely the opposite, hopefully he'll trust me because I've never led him astray in the past. Just, it doesn't feel like that, Mom, but I trust you, because I know you love me, and I know you want what's best for me. That's, I would like to have that relationship with anybody who's battling those questions right now. And how do you build trust with him? Consistency. I may take it a little to the extreme, like, I don't want to lie about Santa Claus, because I don't want him (laughs) to not trust me. But I, I don't lie to him. I don't tell some of the little fibs that sometimes parents tell their kids we are open and honest and we talk about things um, that may seem big for such a little kid, but it's kids are pretty impressive. He catches on to even those big things. And um, so we don't sugarcoat a lot in our house and hopefully that, and we'll both learn more about that process as things go on, but I just want to keep building on that. I know you give back a lot. As busy a mom as you are, especially with the wedding planning stage of your life, how do you how do you give back for all that you've learned the last four years? My time is what 
I have mostly to give right now, even though there's not a lot of it. I give back to the church and to celebrate recovery because those are the places that helped me through my hard time. So I, um, at church, I rock babies in the nursery and I work in the coffee bar just to, sometimes just a smile is what somebody's looking for. Just a bright spot in maybe a not so bright day. At Celebrate Recovery, I lead an open share group for women who struggle with anger and resentment. And I am a sponsor to another woman who is newer in her recovery journey. And so that is an amazing opportunity to give back. So really, it's just in my time and in my experience, just sharing that experience is how I'm giving back right now. What kind of advice or encouragement do you have for a mom who's worried about her daughter? As a mom, well, let me speak as a daughter. I didn't believe anything my mom said. I didn't believe that she had the first clue that of what I was going through when I was a teenager. And so my advice to moms of teenagers is find someone more mature um, that your daughter trusts. Maybe one of your friends or maybe even one of her friend's moms, just not her mom that could talk to her about those things. You And you know this person and you trust that they're not going to lead your daughter astray. But um, just to be a sounding board and and someone to talk through those things with, I actually have a friend who has a teenage daughter who I have that relationship with. And it's pretty amazing. So you're a little bit of a, a mentor of a young woman. What advice or encouragement do you have for someone in the throes of a reboot like yours where their identity is wrapped up in another person and that person has said so long? Hopefully, if someone is going through something like that, they do have other people in their lives who they can reach out to or or even better, those people would already be reaching out to them. If not, um, if you're kind of left hanging like I was, Celebrate Recovery is a, an amazing place to meet people who love to love on you. Um, I, I think building that circle is maybe the most important part to it. You mean we can't fix ourselves outside of community? We really can't. I don't like that. I do <laughs> because I love the friends I've made through it. I do too, but I'm such an introvert. The good thing about that is you can find other introverts who are cool to just listen if you want to talk or talk if you want to listen. People who understand how to love you the way you want to be loved. They speak your love language. Yeah. And I, I, I'm agging you on a little bit just because that is my thinking. I wanted to fix my own grief with just God and me on my front porch. I got news. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it without you. I couldn't do it without 
about two dozen people that I met the same place you did. I couldn't have done it without you and most of those same two dozen people either. I know, right? It's because we learn how to love each other as Jesus loved us, and we find grace when we fail in moments to do that. Yeah. Having people who understand that and who have needed that in the past, that's the cool part. I can guess about now what one of your resource recommendations is going to be for our listener. You're not talking about Celebrate Recovery, are you? I suspect you're going there. Definitely. We have a global audience here, and not everybody lives in western Arkansas or eastern Oklahoma. Are there Celebrate Recoveries in other places besides Community Bible Church, Fort Smith, Arkansas? Yes, they're everywhere. International, in fact. So if you're looking for a Celebrate Recovery and and you're not sure where to start, um, go to the Google. The Google knows everything. The Google knows everything. So is there another resource that you would invite someone to check out if they're at the end of their rope? Yeah. um, Something that helped me and still helps me is reading through the Psalms. And um, I definitely suggest having a study Bible because some of the references, it is Old Testament, and some of the references you'd miss out on um, references to stories back farther in the Bible. And, um, and even it's still, even if you get one of the more modern translations, some of it's still hard to understand. So I can't recommend a study Bible to help explain those things enough. But what I love about the Psalms is that you experience every human emotion while reading through and it's just it sets such a good example of how to grieve and how to praise the Lord in spite of that grief and how to celebrate victories and dealing with doubts and dealing with adversity. I don't know that there is a human struggle dealing with um messing up. I mean, David is called a man after God's own heart, but he made some of the most bonehead decisions of anybody that we see in the Bible, and none of that was too big to overcome God's love for him. And so um, reading through the Psalms, just number one, it gave me something to relate to. It encouraged me that none of the bonehead things I decided to do are too big for God's love for me either. And um, I loved how it taught me how to praise through all situations. David authored most of the Psalms. Yes. King David of Israel. And you're right, the study Bible gives us context for what David's life was like then versus how we would read the Psalms. Right. And yet there's still this amazing application today, especially when we understand what David might have been going through when he wrote that. Yeah. What else? I recommend this podcast. I've been listening for, well, since the beginning. And again, just hearing stories of transformation and um, starting over and choosing a new path is encouraging. And the people that I've heard so far are from all walks of life. And no one story is the same. And I see in the future just covering 
possibly anything that any person could be going through and reaching a very broad audience that way. Thanks, Jordan. You're welcome. She didn't pay me to do that. Yet. That was awesome. <laughs> okay, if uh, toward the end of this interview, it sounds like a couple of close friends chatting about life, recovery, faith, and even this podcast, well, it's because that's exactly what happened. Jordan and I are what we in the Celebrate Recovery community call accountability partners. So what does that mean? It means that we listen, encourage, and speak honestly about our victories and our struggles, and it also means that sometimes I ask my accountability partners to be guinea pigs when I have a crazy idea for uh, a thing like this Reboots podcast thing. So, yeah, thanks, y'all. Um, when Jordan and I met, we were both broken, and <laughs> we still are broken, but at that point, we were emotionally wrecked. I, because my dad had died, Jordan, because she was about to become a single mom who found herself alone and feeling lost. Together, we've found a community of flawed human beings who love and accept us as we are and show us the way through grief, rejection, and self-doubt. Look, Jordan and I have found our people through Celebrate Recovery, and I believe that you, too, can find healing through a Celebrate Recovery in your hometown. We don't represent CR in any capacity, officially or otherwise. We're just sojourners using the resources to work our own lives through the Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5. Celebrate Recovery isn't the only place where you can find healing through community. The important thing is to find acceptance, grace, and some healthy boundaries. Let us know how we can help you with that in your life if you need it. Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at WenchelStoryWorks.com. A link to my email address is in the show notes. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing Jordan's story specifically, would you share it? I'm Tracy Wenchel, and we'll see you next time. We'd love to hear your reboot story privately on our StoryWorks blog or as a guest on an upcoming podcast. And we appreciate your feedback, either in the iTunes store or by way of email. Drop us a line, reboots at winchellstoryworks.com or on our website, winchellstoryworks.com.